Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, this is Cleveland Brown, and you're listening to the About Last Night podcast. I guess your TV must be broken. Ha <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. You're bored. Hey, guys. Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Happy Thursday. Hope you had a great week. Uh, today's episode is a classic episode. We're going to be doing classics the next two episodes while Brad is still on his honeymoon in Germany. And then we will uh, return to our regularly scheduled programming. But today's episode, one of my favorites of all time, recorded October 13th, 2014 with the great Dane Cook, uh, a comedy uh, juggernaut and uh, and uh, and beast. You know, I've never, I've said to this day, I've never seen anybody crush as hard as he did when he was just having that fucking massive year of SNL and movies and Madison Square Garden uh, at the Laugh Factory. It's just some of the you know, he still crushes, but this 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 time when he was coming up, and he's, he said it on his first appearance where there's nothing like that time when you're still trying to, you know, show everybody what you can do and you haven't totally blown everybody away yet. And, uh, man, unreal. Uh, this episode is one of my favorites. Enjoy the hell out of it. Follow Dane on all social media at Dane Cook, me at Adam Ray Comedy, Brad at Funny Brad at LN, ALN Podcast. Uh, Brad, of course... Still in Germany, so no tour dates, but I, where am I going to be? Well, this, um, this is coming out on the 5th, so October 8th, I'm at the Belly Room. October 9th, I'm in Florida with Adam Devine at the University of Florida. And October 10th, big uh, big show at the Comedy Store Main Room. Adam Ray and Buddies returning to the Comedy Store Main Room, October 10th, Tuesday at 8.30. Get your tickets at adamraycomedy.com. Uh, and then, of course, a bunch more uh, colleges with Adam Devine and... Uh, um, uh, Tempe Improv, Vegas coming up. All that at AdamRayComedy.com. Uh, about last night, podcast.com for past episodes and uh, merch coming with the new site very shortly. Um, stay tuned and uh, it's going to be dope. And make sure you email us at aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com. Your favorite ALN moments, where you get it, why you got into it. We'll send you some uh, merch when we read those moments on air when the new site launches. All right, now that we got the tour dates, Twitter handles, and merch info out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy a classic ALN episode with the great Dane Cook. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Yeah, I don't know if we need to retread yeah, we're okay. of the day from <laughs> you know what? weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were. Well, if we do want to, we were reminiscing gently. Sure. Yeah, 
about how supportive comics are of each other at all times. Yeah, and how it's just a really collective community of people that want everyone to succeed. <laughs> Absolutely, really and it. and it's surprising how little <laughs> jealousy there is and little I regret. Seen a tinge of it since 1992. <laughs> no, wow, it's, it's since amazing. Carl Malone was jealous that John Stockton was getting <laughs> really more true. assists, and I think that helped us. I really think it was the turning point. <laughs> <laughs> when comedy we saw group. ourselves in there. <laughs> that was the we, we all saw ourselves in Carl Malone's. Um, uh, I do to be topical for the first time ever. I probably in this podcast. Wait a topical is that the right word or is that an ointment? Or is that... <laughs> God, what a great tangent! It, a great is question. Ointment topical? It's, yeah, it's a topical cream, right? Okay, but so is the cream topical because? It's on top of... Is it the cream of the day? <laughs> cream, cream of the day Cream of the day sounds like like the special in like a porn store. Like, hey, this is the cream of the day. Like, Subway has a sandwich of the month. Like, a, like a porn shop. It's the cream of the day. We were up here. We were on ground level. Yeah. And you yep. and I went down to where, like, the mole people live in sure. the city. Yeah. And Brad always comes in with that third Dante's yeah. Inferno level. He takes um, it to the treehouse. Now we got to really remember how to keep this all... Uh, absolutely. It's well, I mean, related, that, I mean <laughs> that's my job uh, is to bring jokes to a grinding halt, or 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 make you all second guess yourselves as humans. Uh, Let's talk about your new album, Grounding Halt. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard in early advance it was leaked. You know, it was. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's just me for an hour. <laughs> Great setups, and then, and then the punch makes the entire audience go. Ugh. Uh, Ugh. Speaking of album titles, Troublemaker is your sixth, right? What is that? You're, you're Troublemaker. You're special. Troublemaker. Yeah. Uh, sixth. Now, so because sixth, I have no idea. For real? Wow. I don't know. I don't well, know uh, wow. well, why don't we just why don't we look in the, the wall? Platinum records. We're in Dan Cook's office right now, office. which is uh, fucking bananas because. Um, and I'm glad that you – you were telling me this last time I was here that your – was it your sister that told you to put all this stuff up? Yes. Yeah, yeah, A lot of the stuff I did not have – I didn't have a lot of the, the uh, self-congratulatory mm-hmm. ac- accomplishments up. Uh, because why? Just a, a conscious choice? Uh, yeah. I'm not, a, I, I'm not the kind of person who usually keeps – uh, yeah, I don't keep things up. I don't keep. Um, I'm not. Uh, Definitely don't keep up with this. The... Is not the norm for me. I, yeah. In my whole entire career, uh, I you know if I was you know if I'd you know gotten a uh, an award or something over the years, it was always like okay, kind of cool. But then it would end up you know in in as like a you know a door jam in my bathroom. Oh, or like, yeah, was, you're you're the you're the guy that's like my Oscar. I don't know where it is. Fuck it. Like, is it, I won an Oscar, Brad. <laughs> you you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's how busy I've been. <laughs> that's. I, Listen, yeah. Mr. Brooks touched me in a way <laughs> that I'm really not comfortable talking about. But now that we, now we've opened up Pandora's box, uh, I like I just visually minute, put I, you on that I stage. I also won Pandora's box. Yeah, yes. Dude. yeah, yes. Every internet radio box has been opened. <laughs> oh my god. Um, have uh, but your so sister I, was like, I, didn't, I have never been one to put things like this up. And then because why did you house? think like looking at it would make you settle or not be, or you be too? I, uh, you know, even as a kid, I remember like if, if my mother hung something on the fridge that was like something I colored in class or yeah. a good grade, I was the one that finally took it down and was like, we could probably put this in the mm-hmm. drawer now. We're good. Mm-hmm. And I really can't tell you. I know that it's not self-loathing. Mm-hmm. It's not like I, you know, look at these things and I go like, you know, but I, I'm not a... I'm not a look back kind of person. Gotcha. So sometimes it represents some days I come in here. I'm like, man, this is cool shit. This is just like, this is a nice. I'm glad you got to that place because yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, I mean, let's just, I mean, you have the, um, 
Let's take a trip down memory. I would love to, sure. man, because it's this is very few people have a wall uh, right. similar to this. So we're sitting in my office. Uh, maybe Danny DeVito, and that's just because you know he got lucky. Matilda does was Danny written for DeVito him. Danny DeVito have an almost Oscar. Ooh. <laughs> that could be an entire different award show in itself. Like just all the people who didn't win, and then you put them in a new category. <laughs> you don't want to win an Oscar, though. Most people that win Oscars are not. Uh, they that that's kind of it, right? Isn't that like or supporting? Isn't yeah. that it? Best supporting Oscar is yeah. the one that is a little bit of a. It's like okay, you you. We just needed another category because. <laughs> but not a lot of people springboard from that one. Oh, to, gotcha. To, to hire what. Well, that's Cuba Gooding Jr. Point in case, case in point. Yeah, you do you, you do Jerry Maguire, and then you followed up with Snow Dogs. I mean, yeah, but we all would have done I that. I thought he should have won the Oscar for that. <laughs> Explain. They got the best. I mean, when, when, when your when your co stars are seven canines, and you're able to bring that much believability to the script, uh, you've I got think the you're right uh, there, Dane. <laughs> you've got the the cue card from Letterman. Okay, I've got my, my Letterman cue card. Uh, your from first appearance. My very first appearance. That's incredible. And I don't know if we talked about that before. No. The, after I left the, sh- I was leaving the show for for my letterman debut and i saw the guy with all the cards and i i kind of ran over to him and i was like hey are those the the cards that dave wrote off tonight and he's like yeah and i go, uh, <laughs> and I go uh, hey you here to criticize my penmanship <laughs> yeah, and he really like stopped and kind of like he was lurching with the card oh, and he's like yeah and i go can i have my can i have my card is that possible and he goes like as he goes Ah, I gotta ask somebody. Oh which God! I really uh, took as the giant no. sigh before the sentence. Let you know, like this is gonna be an ordeal. Yeah. I'm yeah. never gonna. See I'm never this gonna see. Car, you know, and I kind of was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. And then two weeks later, I got it in the uh, the mail, framed with the signature of Mr. David Letterman. That's incredible. Wow. So that, uh, yeah, that that that's. Uh, and let's be honest, letter. I to me at least, uh, and Brad, you probably share the same sentiment. Like mm-hmm. Letterman for standups. Even as soon as I even started uh, realizing in the comedy world how uh, important Letterman was mm-hmm. and what that meant, um, I still think, uh, and when he retires, I think it will be, I mean, obviously Carson, great yeah. too, but you as being think, like... You uh, think Craig Kilborn trumps everybody? His, I didn't want to say that. His top five air, lists were but, revolutionary, though. Or five oh, questions. Yeah. Right? Did you ever do Kilborn? How come that picture's on the I wall? I did do Kilborn. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where, yeah. Where's yeah. the Craig Kilborn yeah. cue card? I don't know if I felt the love on, on Bonnie that. Hunt. Might be a, a close second. <laughs> Hold on, we got to go in the other room then for that. That's, <laughs> that's <in the> <laughs> you have a whole Bonnie Hunt mugs and we have to also talk about some of the things in here that have nothing to do. Like I have categories. That's all. That's always a great party game. And you have Beyond Balderdash. Uh, that, wow, that, Balderdash is one of my favorite games. Yeah, ever, by the way. Hey, but it wasn't enough. We needed to <laughs> go beyond. Well, the Bed Bath people thought the same thing. Um, okay. Well, uh, well You well also have, uh, well, the the big poster of you with the re- retaliation with the sword is fucking incredible. Because okay, then you yeah. also have the Sufi in the eye. And that poster is just, I don't know, when that came out, because that was after Harmful was Swallowed, right? That's right. So this was and that the was your sophomore follow-up. effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is what, in a musician or comedian's uh, life, probably the most instrumental and pivotal absolutely. album. Absolutely. Yeah, because we work on the first one for you know a number of years right. until you finally have the coverage done. or the few you know dollars to put it together, and so this needed to come out probably within like the two year mark. I think I gave myself of when harmful, as yeah. we say in Boston, <laughs> when harmful came up. So yeah, retaliation was uh, you know something that uh, I knew was going to either 
you know, give me a few more Take shots yep. after mm. that, or it was going to be, uh, you know, a swan song, and it was going to be like, all right, but if I'm going to go down with the ship, <laughs> I'm going double album, yeah. and I'm going to sure. shoot for the... Dude, I remember when I picked it up and saw that on the cover, I was like, oh, shit, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, He's you know, got a microphone it's sword. It's the tone, you man. You know this yeah, is going to be awesome. Uh, and then, um, wait, so then, and that album so went, what? I mean, because these discs are from Retaliation, and that what is that? Gold, platinum, and double we platinum. Those. Yeah, we get some gold, That's some bananas. platinum, some doubles. <laughs> so, uh, I God. mean, and, 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 and so you say, but like, no you, Olympic gold medal. And you know what? For that, <laughs> damn me. <laughs> well, you were never strong with the shot put. <laughs> I was not strong. <laughs> what would you if you though? And I've thought about this, and I think every comedian probably has. If you were to be in the Olympics, because you're an athletic human being, and so what's the what's the closest that you would put yourself? In to go like, like cool runnings. Hey, you think that happened by coincidence? No, they were born to bobsled. Yes, but like, what? Would, I love that there was just no disagreement about <laughs> no that. Judging. You just had a very like, yes. Now let's in, move in on. The first rule: we do not deny. <laughs> yes, especially and, Fight Club, and we don't deny. No, we don't deny cool runnings references. <laughs> uh, but so, like, what would there be that you like when you watch any of the Olympics? Or is it something you like? You know, I could probably jump into that. Or six months of training. No. The only thing I ever was like uh, fascinated Olympic wise was uh, what was it the uh, the uneven bars? Yeah, when they would like be smashing their abdomen and like spinning back around. Yeah, I always thought that that was something I I would aspire to do. And then I think one day I tried just jumping off a swing. (laughs) This is as close as it'll get. He hit my chin and I bit my tongue and I was like, "Fuck the Olympics!" (laughs) Oh my god! It was at that point where Dave Cook's Olympic dreams were dead. My tongue. Fuck the Olympics. Oh my god, that's a great story. Well, and, 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 and that's I when Carrie Strug was like, "Finally, <laughs> Cook is out. I'm in. This is where Strug takes over." Uh, and then you've got uh, uh, all right. So there's a lot of uh, retaliation. There's a three disc, another frame thing of that. Right, and then yes. we've got yeah, and we've got a Canadian um, honors because I've got family uh, and I'm partially from PEI. So that's awesome. Put a couple of the Canada uh, congrats up there. Obviously, rough around the edges, uh, Madison Square Garden. What? That's kind of a big deal. Okay, uh, that was yeah, and that I think was that. I'm trying to remember. Whereas that was after Vicious Circle, but yeah, Madison Square Garden, my first show at Madison Square Garden. That no, I'm sorry, this was the second time I yeah, did Madison Square right. Garden, mm-hmm. and I just actually f- uh, recorded that. I didn't record that. I thought as an album because I'd only actually put the set together for maybe like half a year. I was oh, doing shit. a movie called Dan in Real Life. Yeah, right. And I wasn't performing. I was in you know in Rhode Island somewhere, just kind of working on that. Um, I'm trying to remember. There was something else like I was going through some kind of crisis in my life, and I remember thinking, "Well, I want to honor the date, and of course, I'm not going to cancel Madison Square Garden." But I was sweating it. You know, I was not feeling. What a crazy it. thing to think, because that that there should there should be no problem with you being like, "Well, if I'm not ready for Madison Square Garden, I shouldn't do it." But <sighs> but but then there's that voice inside your head that comes from the I poor guy, it. where you're like, "I can't cancel Madison Square Garden." It's that, and you want to think that you can still pull it off, right? Yeah, and it's not even just because I don't think. Uh, I don't think at least I don't it wasn't in terms of like the size or because I'd done it before I'd done it so I had that that, you know I did the theater for Mm -hmm. a couple of times and then I did Madison Square Garden and on this time when I had the opportunity to do it it was like Whatever I was dealing with, I remember thinking it was that same feeling if it's a Tuesday night and I know there's 60 people at the factory. I was like, I'll feel better Mm -hmm. if I perform. So 
I didn't think of it like I'll feel better if I perform at Madison Square Garden. I really felt like the movie was a cert was you know kind of giving me a certain uh, you know pump from sure, being yeah. creative. But again, there's a lot of waiting around, a lot of sitting around. I was dealing with some stuff with my family, and then it was like. No, I'm going to honor the date, even though I can look at I can look at that even how I look at in the in the poster, and I know that I was in like the just like the the strangest kind of fog headspace. Yeah. Mm. And the set itself, uh, I called my manager like three days before, and I'm like, "Hey, can we just record it? Even if it's just college kids doing it, uh, I don't care about lighting, uh, but let's let's just record yeah. it for the sake of recording it." Mm. I go because I wrote down. Like ten ideas for things that I had, and I then I had some stuff that I knew it was funny from like the year before, and I basically went in and was like, "I'm going to improv a set at Madison Square Garden oh, based shit. on a few of these things." Shut the fuck the up. The four corners <laughs> I know will work: opening of the show, yeah. something mm-hmm. in the middle, and in the end. And a lot of that show, honestly, it's called Rough on the Edges because it's really not a completed thing. It's, it's not. It's not something you did two years and toured with no. exclusively. Yo, no. And Vicious was like insane like you know you well, that was your first time line. doing the garden so yeah. you were first like that time, yeah first time of a crowd that huge hometown crowd yeah i worked on that thing meticulously mm-hmm. until it was like i i could you know i could do it in my sleep right and the other one it was almost like i think i just came from eating like wings at the cellar and then like <laughs> ran up into the how great is that though to have a show like that because i mean now again with troublemaker this being your sixth like to have one to have one that is just a little more loose and like, you know, I didn't, I kind of went up and A, I'm sure you're um, trusting yourself to just uh, improvise or commit to anything probably went up so many notches if you did that in that type of a venue. Right? Yeah, and it was really there learning that uh, my fans were like just into me. They were into like my, you know, yeah. my process. My oh, yeah. And so I think that even though I knew at the time it wasn't to be televised or necessarily to be released, uh, I just had more fun with it and I was loose with it. And it wasn't until, I don't know how long later, I looked at it and I'm like, I mean, I kind of look like shit. And so, you know, I, <laughs> honestly, I look like I've been in a basement. I'm like, no, I'm not tan. Nothing. It's just. It's so funny you can look at one picture like on the uh, album cover and just see, know everything you were feeling and what was going on oh, yeah. in just that shot. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really does take me back. But it was also, um, it reminded me of something I saw the other day. I saw Pryor was hosting the seventh uh, episode of SNL, mm-hmm. uh, the seventh ever episode shit. he was hosting. And the thing that I, I dug. I'm not. I'm not uh, equating myself to Pryor, but just as a comedian, what I really appreciated was he was hosting this live show, and he walked out, and instead of coming out like we all like to with that first bit that you know is going to get him, right. so that you can ride the wave, right? Yeah. That hook and bit, yeah, right. No, he came out and he was like, "Hey, my 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 boy's in the hospital, you know, he's sick, and you know, so anyway, I just hope hope he pulls through. I just want to say hello." And it was just off the cuff, and you yeah. knew it was from the heart, and it was like the seventh episode of SNL, and right. he took a moment. To just really be human, be himself. And then he started to go into the set. And it was the opposite. Instead of a big wave and then he wrote it, it was like a trickle. And then he built, built, built. And about you know five minutes into hosting the show, then he was wailing. And I, and I really believe it's because they, they loved him. They loved that he came out and mm-hmm. showed a little bit more of himself. Oh, man. And yeah. from that set and from having watched so many guys over the years, uh, I think, bring that. It showed me I can release this, even though it's not me at my best. It's it's a it's a good set because I'm there's no expectation from myself. Um, and yeah, I did do it at Madison Square Garden, but it was like no, I think that this is 
something I'd want to share simply because I'm uh, I'm pleased at my performance and I'm not I wasn't trying to break a record or anything like that. It was just like I'm really happy with the way this came out. I, I think I'll show people. And that and that speaks to just you being in a situation where you allow yourself to create. Uh, an acting coach once told me one time he's like. Desperate people get super creative. We can say his name. Super fast. Kelsey Grammer. Absolutely. Brad took from the great sure. KG. As- uh, Mikhail's Navy. Changed my life. Uh, <laughs> Down but- Periscope. So, like, when you're in that situation where you're forced to create, that's when you come up with some of the best yeah. stuff. I know, like, I the agree. the uh, Tig Notaro album, that, that uh, w- when she came out and just talked about her having cancer, and that was just such raw comedy, and you know it comes from the heart. You know it's not a comedian pulling from a fake story or this happened right. to me the other day, a, a breakup that happened three years ago. And so for you, being in that state of mind, that was true honesty in that point. That right. was you that was you just coming out and being yourself. And I think your fans really appreciated that. Yeah, and I think is it's I think it's uh, a moment for any performer where when you finally let down your guard mm-hmm. and you go, okay, I'm not just coming out here. You know, some of my earlier I'm in my twenties, I you know, you're boundless energy, you're yeah. really sure. coming out there and you're like I don't have a care in the world. I, I just want to, mm-hmm. you know, get laughs and, you know, meet chicks. And, you know, it was just like, you know, pretty, pretty simple. Now, if my family's happy, great. And there's like more at stake because later you're going, ah, now I'm going into these situations where if I, if I'm derivative and I repeat what I've done before, uh, I'm going to feel crappy, but also people are going to feel like, ah, you know what? Maybe we don't need to see him next time. It's kind of similar. It's kind right. of. And so I, at that point in my life was like i think i need to start like i had done six or seven years earlier allowing myself to not do as well so i can mm-hmm. get to the place where i um i'm feeling more complete as a performer you yeah. know it was like mm, take it off the throttle a little bit and change it up try some different approaches try sets where maybe you're you know open with your closing bit and then mm-hmm. see what happens and just stuff you know in so it was an experimental time and yeah. and i was just again like completely you know kind of bonkers crazy to have done it but also psyched that i i recorded that experience because i don't know if something like that will ever happen yeah that. sure that was a great call and you and you're saying too like with vicious though you're i mean meticulous how many times were you at the factory or improv or wherever when you were getting ready for it for vicious yeah oh man i mean you were probably on the road doing theaters right and, sh- and i was doing arenas and whatnot i was doing a lot of the uh uh bigger college shows right. leading up to it which gave me the confidence when i did uh torgasm yeah and we did penn state and it was the first gig that i did that was like over ten thousand. it was like i don't know what it was like 12 mm-hmm. 12 000 something and that's the day I was like, okay, I can. I think I can do a, a huge special. I Would really, you not do clubs purposely so that you could make sure you were getting the, uh, you know, adjusted to the amount of crowd size and? I think that the club thing. Two things happened to me that I probably didn't even honestly really think about until the last couple of years. I didn't never felt really embraced by a lot of the clubs that I was playing. I never felt like um, as a business person they gave me a lot of. Uh, they just didn't give me the the slack, you know. So they were kind of like we're setting our ways. We've been here since the boom. We right. know what we're doing. And I was like, listen, I know I'm just a kid in a tank top here, uh, wearing uh, you know camo shorts and flip yeah. flops. But I'm kind of on the pulse. Thank you, Target. <laughs> Thank you, Target. <laughs> oh wow, me. well uh, somebody's working for them. So it was really like, all right, I wasn't, I didn't feel a great, um, I didn't feel a great sense of confidence with some of the club clubs that I was playing. I, I played great clubs, but I didn't always get from the managerial side of feeling like uh, 
you know, yeah, no, let's let him tell us what what we should do right now to get a younger audience in here and to be Shit. more proactive. And, he, and even though at that time you were the guy that completely revolutionized yeah. how to obtain an audience with all, with all the MySpace stuff, they still were just like, we got it. Like egos, huh? Just still like okay. Yeah, you, yeah, MySpace yeah. is one alpha, thing. A lot of alpha dudes yeah. who were mm-hmm. running clubs at the time. Some of them, by the way, completely the opposite. There were guys that you know were, were you know really embracing and like yeah, let me know what we need to do. Awesome. But the majority of it, I was not getting uh, anything participatory there. So the colleges were basically going like. You can have the whole field house and do whatever you want. Yeah, and we so, don't know what to do. We yeah. don't. We don't do comedy shows. So, so you, me and Matt yeah. Frost, uh, mm-hmm. Frosty, my my buddy, who was at the time with my manager and New Wave Entertainment, um, you know, we just decided to try to figure out a way to uh, have a community type show, but still give the college the the show that they wanted. Still, yeah. you know, be able to take a good chunk for myself, put it back into maybe some lights or I, everything was like get some money, use it for the show. Open mm-hmm. it up, invite people from the outside, and we wanted to. You know, we, honestly, we wanted to change the way touring went. Uh, so, for our own kind of selfish purposes, that way we can get the crowds. I can work on the stuff that I want to with a generation of, you know, people that are you know understand me and are hearing me. And it really about halfway through that tour and tourgasm, uh, when I started talking to Chris Albrecht and HBO. I was like, you know, I used to do these shows at the South Shore Music Tent, and they were in the round. It's where Carlin would play. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I That's something that always appealed to you, the round type loved of. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. And seeing comics play the round, I always, you know, like that. And, and Carlin playing the round on his special, 78, I yeah. think, uh, from, uh, live from Arizona. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, Seven Dirty Words. That that was in the round, that, wasn't it? Because um, I think he did like a round, and there was other one that was kind of like the round. Yeah, it was yeah. like one of those Elvisy half stage. Yeah, and, and 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 playing the round is just, and obviously you know this better than anyone. You just never feel like you can stay still because if you do, there's half the audience yeah. that's got their back to you. So you're constantly moving, you're constantly animating your bits, and you're and, and you're mugging, and it's just it, it's a completely different experience than than you do than a playing lot of a club. squats. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. At the time, I was wearing some real tight diesel jeans, and I was nice. like, "I got to get those, squ- you know, yeah. with like a nice little uh, boot cut <laughs> flare at the bottom." But, Thank you, Target. But it's true. It's like it's like the round. The round was just appealing because, and it was, it played into my kind of comedy, which was you know a lot of constant movement, mm-hmm. and, and it played to like. Theatrics, which I, you know, had a great mentor who was my drama teacher who was always talking about the reveal. Everything was about the reveal. You know, when you reveal, there's power in the reveal. That's why the, you know, phantom comes through the door at that time. Yeah. That's why the light, you know, and certain things I learned in theater played into that. Almost everything I learned in my life led up to that, what that show yeah, well, that's, was, that's was going the, to uh, be. The, the, that's the Steve Martin quote, the, you will use everything you've ever known. Uh, as as a performer, when he's, now he's an open micer. No, uh, he's yeah, coming who's, up. Who's Stephen this guy? Mart? Stephen uh, <laughs> Martin. Martin. Uh, I think he's got a future. He, uh, he, 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 no, the re- reveal is key. Brad, I don't know if you know this about him, but when he um, will serenade women sexually with yes. his body, um, <laughs> which really the, yeah, uh, <laughs> you've read his blogs. <laughs> he will pop out of one of those Jack in the Boxes. Uh, not a Jack in the Box like rapper, but like right. the. Oh God, I'm getting a boner right. Now just a pe- just a Pavlov dog. Bob. Yep. Oh, God. Do you have to pay for that? We're we gonna have to like play that back. We both had different or? versions. Pretty so. sure Paul McCartney owned Should that we at that cover point. It just in case, uh, like an almost version, like they do in commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Badoom, 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 badoom,
Damn. <laughs> yeah, just fucking don't even. Yeah, but don't even try to make the ending even close. Uh, Brad just came twice. So I did. That, I'm but, sorry. So he, I'm, I'm in my refractory period right he now. Pops out of that. Um, okay, so. But I will say too, just kind of bringing it back to when we were talking about the club owners, and then yes, it, it's it is kind of a it's kind of phenomenal if you really think about it. How you know, given the success of what you know most stand up comics have done. There's still always kind of this weird lack of trust that a, that a comedian mm-hmm. has the right idea. Uh, yeah. I, I, even why is that not going away? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I was in a situation with the NBC deal that I did. And a long story very short, it was like I'm having conversations with the network, going, I know that this isn't exactly coming together the way we want it to be, but the show looks great, and there's an opportunity to really, um, you know, build from this point, and. The, the the resistance it was like you guys are going to put shows on the air with like talking monkeys and and uh, and Anne Hathaway's choking on her chicken bone and fucking dying and coming mm-hmm. back as an a- and you're going like okay but look at the track record of comedians not right. even just like from the 80s on up in sitcoms and Roseanne and and Raymond and Cosby and, Cosby and like, it's like go all the way back man go to go sure. to you know go to Groucho Max go, go go all the way back to radio yeah mm-hmm. Jackie Gleason, all yeah, those guys, yeah. Comics have the most likelihood of getting you the win because they can go and they can sit as lead guest mm-hmm. on any show, on any radio show, on any podcast, and we can make stuff happen. We can otherwise an actor who nobody knows is you're just going to be hoping that maybe somebody likes something. Yeah, you know, you better pray that Danny Glover's got six great stories about flying. <laughs> all good. But uh, and you're totally right, though. Think about how many times Tim Allen or even um, uh, what's the guy from uh, wasn't there, uh, on Night Court? Um, this is an old reference, but the oh, yeah. um, uh, Marsha Warfield, like she right. was a comic. She'd be going things. By the way, if you're wow. playing at home, drink seven for the first Marsha <laughs> Warfield reference. reference. Good lord! But like, yeah, like I, I, I can't tell you how many times we'll see actors go on. Um, uh, Late talk night shows, panel, whatever, and, and you know, some of them are naturally funny, but a lot of times it's like, man, it's like. Uh, it's like pulling teeth to like see them try to like. They always think their story is funny, but but then it just sometimes just doesn't translate because you're like you're just missing the beats. You're just not right. you're not finding what it is about that that's relatable to us, and right. that's what a fucking comic does. Yeah, I just I, I always you know I don't know if I found myself in that power position, it's like I'm always going to bet on a comic. Sure, I'm always going to take the gamble on the comic versus. Just an okay show with a person that nobody really yeah. knows about because right. a comic is going to get out there and, and that and that's all we think about. A, a, a comic's only job is to be funny, so that's literally the only thought that's in our head. So we, when some executive is telling you, "Well, this is the schematics and it doesn't quite work," people haven't really done this before. You're like, "Yes, but you're in the business of being funny. That is all. That is all you know, right. and it it consumes your life. So when you go to do a show, you're not going to say something that you're like, no, that isn't going to work or 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 has been tried out or ha- or has been tested by you in some way shape or form. Right. You know funny. If you didn't, you wouldn't be in the situation where they had where they're giving you a show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one time I saw Tony Anza on Jay Leno and it was like <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, so uh, Tony, I hear you've got uh you've got the uh, new uh, you got the Tony Anza talk show coming out." And uh, so what's what the you, now you have you hosted anything before? And uh <laughs> 
And uh, and he's like, yeah, well, actually, uh, Jay, I did host, um, I hosted this talent show when I was in the eighth grade. Funny story, actually. Which, by the way, don't preface with funny story when it's not going to be a funny story. <laughs> and he goes, funny we'll story, actually, that. Jay. And he's like, oh, please, hurry up, though, with a Google Dolphin here. And so, uh, and Tony's like, yeah, I was hosting this show in the eighth grade. And, uh, and oh, we're doing this big skit where I come out in this bear suit and I scare the principal because she hated bears. So I come out in this bear suit, and uh, but they had forgotten the, hat, the lower half of my bear suit. So I'm wearing a bear head and and jeans. So, uh, boy, that was it was pretty crazy. <laughs> and then Jay's like, "Okay, great." So I thought he watch the Tony Andy show. It was just like, "Okay, man, like that's <laughs> what's way to sell the show." <laughs> now uh, I've got a question for you because you've done this now six times. You've done uh, this is your six special or six albums. You know, I, I, it's you like, just lose crap. Every special count. becomes an album, right? Um, no, I don't think I, no. Yes. Okay. Well, Harmful wasn't like a... That was just an album, so there's yeah, no uh, video proof. Yeah, you'd think I would know this. I have yeah. no clue. But I mean, what, but basically what the question is, is you continuously, you put out a special, you put out an album, you immediately have to wash all the material, just put it all out because your fans are so diehard, they'll, they'll, they'll know anything. Now, when do you get to that point where you where you realize... Like, is, do you have to get rid of it? Like, is that is the comedy police going to come down, or do you just know that you get to a point where you have millions of people who want to see you so you basically by principle can't come back with I think the if same you're shit. you know it's something if you're doing it in the right order then you're mm-hmm. working up to the special you've been working the material and then you can record it and then you can let it go I, I'm not like a let it go the next day kind of person you know some people mm-hmm. I guess I don't know that's their thing it's like I do like to start the, a new year off with new ideas and new material so if I if oh, the new, know, so January 1st is your like reset button yes Nice. Yeah, I definitely, you know, it's like even if I have some stuff, now there's like carryover or <clears throat> I'll look through like something I did two years ago and go, oh, that whole bit, I never did it anywhere. That's mm. There's like 20 new minutes that I found from two tours ago that I was like, man, no, now, now I have a better idea of how I would I would do that. So I'm like reconstructing That's certain awesome. bits. Yeah, there's definitely no... There's no, you know, one rule that's like, oh, no, we have to, like, shut everything down and, and start mm-hmm. over. And yet I do, once I finish something, like to, you know, kind of pe- let it peter out and then, you know, you know, start a whole new set in the in the new year. Because you did a whole theater tour leading up to Troublemaker, right? And right. then shot it in Vegas uh, over how many nights again? It was like... 40. And it was very expensive, <laughs> Adam. I used one of the nights. Was... <laughs> I mean, you know, Celine Dion had a month off, so yeah. you, you had to come in and do I did two. Thing. I just did two two shows. I did the Friday, Saturday night. And um, and it was it was completely... Uh, it's unlike anything else I've done because I, because I did it all myself. You know, I... I, I put the money up for it. I didn't have a, a partner previously. It wasn't like I had, uh, you know, HBO or Comedy Central, anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was completely free and clear to, to, to do something. Now, how um, does that process differ from doing it with uh, a, a partner, a brand that's, you know... Um, well, because... Yeah, well, it, di- it differs... But you're a brand, so I guess you were like... Yeah, it... It's funny because it doesn't. It didn't feel really different until I started getting to production time because yeah. everything else was just like work on the set, work on the set, mm-hmm. go to the club, work on the set, sit at home, sit around, and you know try you know notions that turn into ideas, and then finally you're you know at the Laugh Factory or the Comedy Cellar or something going. Okay, this now it's starting to feel like a a show. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for me, because I wasn't necessarily going to do it during that tour. But I was like, no, I, I have these two shows in Vegas, and even though I know it's not the right idea to film anything in Vegas. It's you're, it's a real 
Crapshoot? <laughs> uh, you really roll the dice. It, it really is. Thanks, Dane. I think we're going to wrap up right here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh. But, 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 no, but no, you're right, because that's such a tourist town. It's not necessarily your core fans that are in a city waiting for you to show up. Like, it's some people that... You know, it's it's not your typical comedy audience. I didn't mind that. I mm-hmm. didn't mind that some of the people in the audience would not be my audience. Mm-hmm. I actually welcome that a bit. Because you I want to I, convert them, maybe? <laughs> yes, I, we have yeah. a baptism. There you go. <laughs> I have a pool of sweat, and I dip you in my Welcome to the Church of Dane. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's because I liked the idea that, like New York, it would be uh, you know a, a real mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave people enough heads up, so I had fans coming in from, you know, all all over the place and then I knew that there would be people that were just kind of you know I liked having that energy in the room that was like you know man people there's people here who maybe have, have never seen me mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah you know makes you mean? work a little more right yeah I was joking about this thing on stage the other night going like there's certain things about now that I love about people either having a, a total opinion and not really liking what I do or uh, you know, just being ambivalent, like I kind of crave and enjoy that as much as I love performing directly for my fans. I, and I was, I was kicking it around, going like, "There's so many, th- like, so many things I haven't felt in years. Like, I haven't been vouched for. I missed being vouched for. I, hmm. I, it's been years since somebody's like, no, 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 he's cool, he's like, good. Yeah, I haven't had somebody vouch. Wow, like, li- literally what a crazy me, like, just exchange oh, that yeah. you. That weird little thing of just like having somebody, you know, people are going to look at me and be like, oh, you, okay, yeah. But mm-hmm. it, I miss being voted for. I miss having sure. somebody be like, no, 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 let him in, man. He's cool. This is a good guy. And having to kind of come in and earn my spot. Mm-hmm. I like that. And so it's this element with this show of like, and, and, and it really showed on the Friday night show because the Friday night show was um, uh, not an easy show. It was, there was a lot of mistakes and a lot of things that happened on the show that mm-hmm. were... Um, that were kind of uh, unsettling, you know, things, that, you know, especially being on the creative side of it. I was like, man, this is, this could really, this could, you know, damage the, you know, my, my investment. Did, yeah. My, did you start, did you start panicking at all? Like, Oh, holy crap. What have I got myself into? I didn't really panic until I was back at my hotel room after the Friday. Just, the Friday show was a good show. Mm-hmm. There's pieces of the show in, in the special. Um, and funny, and funny is that I, I actually appreciate now that the show kind of went south, but the Friday night show, there were some technical problems. There were some problems with the timing and the crowd wasn't where it was supposed to be. So some people weren't there and some people were moving around. And um, and so I was in my head on stage yeah. going like, oh, man, this is this is a wash. I, I can't, yeah. you know, this. I'm not going to use this. And so immediately I went into a <clears throat> different uh, attitude. Yeah. Then Saturday night. Oh, so you know. Then I'm freaking out a little bit. I didn't panic, but I'm definitely like. You got two shows left. I got one show. Oh left. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. And I'm going. Okay. I'm, at that very moment, I'm going. Fuck this show. I'm not using Friday night show. And then I had this moment on Saturday morning where I was like, if this show doesn't go well, I basically I, I have the most expensive home video ever made <laughs> that nobody's that nobody will also right. want to watch because it's not even <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a good show. So. Yeah, I had a little bit of my, you know, freak out, went to my crew and was like, you know, what can we do to make sure the, you know, A, B, and C are in place so that I can not think and really mm-hmm. just have a good time. Uh, and the, the Saturday show was the show. The one. You know, really, it's, it's what... It's funny how those things just come together like that, right? 
it came together and then it exceeded my expectations. Awesome. You know, I always write, that's like one thing I, I, I write down, you know, I want to exceed my own expectation for yeah. me. You yeah. Know, and if I do that, then somebody will see it or feel it. So I'm not thinking that for you. I'm thinking for me, like, let me find something in here that, you know, takes me uh, to a different you know place in, in my performance to where I'm like, wow, I've never felt this kind of fear and excitement at the same time. I still look for those. Was there a moment in the Saturday show, a few jokes in, where, where you in your head you go, oh, yeah, this is going good? Almost immediately. Yeah. Almost the second I got out there, I felt like, um, and this, this kind of sounds like a cliche, mm-hmm. uh, but I really knew that I was doing one of the best shows that I ever done in my career. I, I knew that I was, uh, um, I was. I knew that I was completely at the helm. Instead of how we always kind of feel, which is like there's kind of like that back and forth sometimes with the sure. crowd. You know, like you still with me or right? You know, the, Just kind of checking up on this them. Show and, no. was like. Um, and did you was, have the added pressure on yourself? Like I gotta get it though. I did. I did, and I think that's what brought that. Out it helped. Me. It didn't hurt. It was what I needed. I needed to get you know my ass kind of kicked mm-hmm. the night before and, and to not lean back because if the Friday night show is like a, a you know a good show, oh it was a great show, great show, dude. Instead of feeling like it was something unique, I might have just had a great show Saturday and felt like okay, I just have like an okay special wow. instead mm-hmm. of capturing something that you're always hoping with cameras in the room. Yeah, that I'll get. Well, uh, it, it's funny you bring up that that pressure uh, brought that out of you because i remember you tweeted something i think it was last week and i texted you after i read it because you you said pressure creates diamonds but it also crushes skulls yeah and i read that quote i was like holy fuck like that's something that us in show business and really in life you you really need to realize sometime like yeah it's gonna get tough but out of that pressure you can create something amazing or you can let it get to you yeah, I was watching a thing. I think Where's that quote from, by the way? Because that's definitely not something on a Bazooka Joe rapper. No, those. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it is. I don't want to fucking assume what Joe's up to. No, I'm, I'm, trust me, I got all the Joe volumes. <laughs> and uh, I get written transcripts of all the Joes. <laughs> yeah. Um, where did it come? No, I, I think it was because I'd heard the quote about diamonds. And I mm-hmm. was like, well, yeah, as a performer or somebody that like has decided to embark on what we do mm-hmm. yeah people you know only we really know how uh difficult it is and how important it is to us i don't think people really can honestly say like oh performance like i know that must be important to you but i know how it is important to you guys and i know how right. important it is to, to find something new in yourself and to you know and to get laughs and to feel present in that moment uh but i was watching and thinking about submarines actually and wow, back uh, to down Periscope. I knew we were going to get back there somehow. <laughs> Full circle, Kelsey yeah. Grammer. Kelsey, we're watching. <laughs> oh, there you go. Together. And Suzanne Plachette. Uh, she comes over from time to time. And John Laroquette. I like people with Laroquette. last names that, <laughs> that are fun to pronounce. Uh, and and it, this is so funny. And it's, again, kind of uh, indicative of maybe how we see ourselves. Uh, we're wat- I'm watching the thing about the uh, how these uh, submarines were originally built. And, and then finally, they're talking about you know the hub, the the submarine went down, and then they call it at a certain um, depth, uh, hull crush depth. Ugh. And, and, it, and it happens like this. It's yeah. Like a fraction. You, you're there, and then you're like a centimeter away, and you're mm-hmm. at something called hull crush depth. And immediately, my reaction was, oh, like us, like performers, like wow. I, I related to that feeling. Wow. 
as a performer of oh yeah we you know we have to you know monitor ourselves and keep mm-hmm. ourselves in a certain level because we will you know we'll get so down or so hard on ourselves and or, or sometimes the business is just you know you're in you're out it, it gets re- it, you know that pressure so that's where that 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 tweet came from. you mentioned expectations uh, uh with that like friday night show and what you like had for it. what are your like i just got curious like what are dan cook's expectations of dan cook and have they changed? And can you answer in third person, please? <laughs> and can you and can you answer as James Lipton uh, asking Dan Cook? No, but uh, and if, if I if, but I will say if I ever got to the gates of what does he say heaven the, the, the pearly gates I've always thought about this for I sure. Think the, I think the worst thing you could hear the Lord say is mm-hmm. just to look at you and go, and you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. man! Uh, no, I, I, I saw a garden. I, mean, yeah. I, 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 I did what you designed you me are. to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I designed you to be a carpenter. I don't know why the fuck you did I the stand-up the thing. Skeller in 1996. <laughs> they threw hot dogs at me. I survived it. You would be a great guest on that show, by the way. On uh, inside the yes. actor studio. Because, the because studio? hey, man. TV. You think Good Luck Chuck has Mystery Men? Place? You don't think Mystery Men? You don't think the Waffle Man's going to fucking be discussed? <laughs> when you, when, when you, when the Waffler. The, the Waffler, I'm sorry. God damn it. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew at least what uh, breakfast treat you were fucking. When you for. decided you to do. You Silverstone <laughs> in this manner as she was on the pod. That would, yeah, but come on, man. There's uh, When you decided to bring. Of, he doesn't have a lot of comics on uh, either. And I think right. to, for, to get both those worlds, like, right. A, just the transition from st- like stand-up to movies, but, like, the fact that you've done both, and I don't know, man. Yeah, I would like to, because I saw uh, Chappelle on there. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. feeling like... It was fascinating. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just, I love sitting at the comic table, but I also like, you know, I like actors in a different way, but mm-hmm. I like, I love talking to actors about how they approach, especially actors that, you know, we grew up admiring, and, you mm-hmm. know, like a Kevin Costner, and being like, Untouchables, how did you, you know... Or scenes with Gene Hackman, and so I would like to to be able to selfishly, yeah, I'd love to be able to sit there because you want somebody to ask you the questions that you go, yeah, man, yeah, you're you're tapping into something that I've yeah. never had a chance to really a thousand percent, yeah, because uh, I've, I, I mean, that like happened with you guys, yeah, yes. I mean, you feel I don't that with our down this periscope podcast has helped shaped you as a performer, <laughs> but that's what we're saying right now. But no, the first time we did this at your place, remember the first story you even talked about about getting this house and how you saw E.T. and wanted the house with the... Remember? I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you said you never thought about that, and that immediately made me go, A, like, man, we do have the greatest podcast of all time, and B, like, what a great venue, uh, avenue for discussion that, like, that created, like, stuff for you to think about that you hadn't thought about and talk yeah. about. Well, and I think that's also why these actually in podcasters are at their, at their best when the right two, you know, comedians get together or performers... Uh, yeah, we know how to ask that one question that maybe somebody else is uh, afraid to ask or not at liberty. To ask. Mm-hmm. And it's really great to be able to, you know, kind of get down to the, you know, talk about, you know, diamonds and, you know, <laughs> being, you know, skulls being crushed. But the mm-hmm. truth is, yeah, well, once we kind of get that stuff up, people don't realize that th- these conversations, uh, you know, kind of help us to, you know, change our own perspective on ourselves. So Absolutely. you're going into something tomorrow and starting the work week on like, all right, wait a minute. You know, now that I, I kind of brought, brought all that stuff up, you'd be surprised at what we can, you know, garner from great conversations yeah. like this. Also, the inside the actor studio audiences are these kids that are always so eager to be, to, to gain some sort of like, to, to be, uh, you know, inspired and like, and, and the people who are on stage usually have a uh, body of work and also experiences. And it's like, even that story you told about how you got uh, Mr. Brooks, like Costner saw you do stand up, right? And then you, or no, yeah. you sent a tape. I sent a tape. 
of your audition to yeah. him because you had met him through a show. And like that's and people would look at you and just be like, oh, you got that role because you're Dan Cook and you got to audition for it. And right. so like that story to me is, right. would be so worthwhile and, and to I tell. I shouldn't have gotten that role because I'm Dan Cook is the truth. Yeah. Because at that it's time. It's a dramatic role. You were known for being yeah. the goofy guy. Everybody character mm-hmm. casting directors would say like, oh, we know him. We, we got mm-hmm. him. We know what he does, which is, you know, what this town can do. And that's frustrating. But yeah, I, I, I for all, I shouldn't have, for all intents and purposes, I shouldn't have gotten that role. But I was, you know, tenacious, and I put myself on tape. Yes, I went. To, I did all the stuff we don't normally want to do, or we think is going to lead to nothing. And I think that side of it would uh, be great for lo- those kids here, because like more, I think more, a lot of those people, uh, that great actors, and maybe I'm wrong, but like don't have those. T- like I'm sure Pacino wasn't like, and I just really fucking. That's you know he he doesn't curse a lot when he fucking. You know, every time you do an impersonation, this weird phone rings. It's like God's trying to interrupt you. God's like, like that's not that's not really good, Pacino. Better Pacinos, <laughs> stop butchering it. But you know, like they're more just like just you know do the work and audition and hope for the best. I feel like and not right. you don't hear. Dude, do an impersonation. I was about to go into my uh, Betty White, so that was well timed. Um, no, but in all seriousness, wait, what is that ring? I've lived in this house four years. I've never heard that ring. Are you serious? Whatever that you got. This one is making a chirp, and then in the other one, it rings for like four minutes straight. Do you have a dwarf alarm or I something that you didn't know about? And I just walk into the room. I don't know. Dwarf I'm not, alarm. I'm not aware of that. God, you rich people, and you put your what? What can't money buy at this point? Uh, dwarf alarm. But what, but the expectations, because I really am curious how uh, with troublemaker versus like. Um, uh, retaliation or a vicious circle mm-hmm. like the uh, we've gotten into how like the process was different because with vicious circle you were just so adamant about like I mean meticulous with doing it in your sleep were you like that with troublemaker or was it more like I've got I'm I'm more in control I'm, I've done this before like so I don't need to kill yeah. myself with the preparation everything it's it's everything it's like all the pieces I learned along the way it was you know big shows and great shows and that was such a massive production I wanted to do Troublemaker like my, my whole thing with Troublemaker was I'd been watching a lot of like great like bootleggy early stand-up stuff you mm-hmm. know right around the prior live at Sunset Strip you know era and so I wanted it to um, I wanted it to have a little bit of a throwback. I wanted it to be real, uh, like a small crew. I didn't want it to be about the production value. I wanted, it, but I wanted you know great people that that could capture what I was looking for, and I wanted it to be kind of bare bones. But I also wanted it to be of what I think is like the way uh, you know the, this next you know generation views content, which is you will watch a YouTube video of we just talked about Chappelle of Chappelle. Uh, on a cell phone camera, sideways, with a light behind him that's so bright, it's it's making him look like he's, you know, just completely illuminated. Yeah. And you'll see hundreds of thousands of views. It's it, it To me, I was watching those things going, it's not about, like, the way the camera's going to move or um, how great the backdrop is. It really is about, like, how can I capture this in a way that's, like, um, very current. Yeah has that energy, you know, of being very like, you know, the way down kind of bare bones, like I said. Mm-hmm. And so all the stuff that I did here was like, yeah, let me let me take from the things that I didn't want to do again or that I, I feel like I've already um, had the opportunity to play around with and let me do it, do it again, but as simple as possible so that it's just about the show this time. It's not about the garden. Isolated mm-hmm. Incident was one tracking shot. It was 60 minutes of one shot, no edits. So, you know, kind of like cool gimmicks that I yeah. put in there that I thought would accentuate something different. 
this is entirely about performance. It's 100% about performance. I don't want you to really see the camera work. That's mm. the, that's the thing. These other things, you'd be like, "Wow, eighteen yeah, cameras in the sure. garden." And sure, this is like about me and my show. So there's not a lot of quick cuts, uh, wide to close. Well, maybe a few no, of those. Pr- not no. real, like maybe like a couple of the back, you know, shots. Yeah, like a couple of those shots from. But no, it's really mostly about just you know capturing what I'm, you know, the routine. Yeah, and it's also the first time that uh, the because of the Friday night show and because of what 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 you know the way i was in in my in my head that night when i finally watched it back i was like that's actually more of what i should be using and i cut hmm. a lot of the friday night show in because even though it wasn't the most polished because maybe i wasn't as on i wasn't not professional just don't you think i hung my hat and right. I, I gave a great show it just wasn't I, it, I was in my head. You're, you're, Most people yeah. would never even notice. Yeah. But you're also your harshest critic. I'm my harshest critic, but I know that I downshifted, mm-hmm. and that downshift was when I watched it was like a eureka moment because I'm like, no, this I, I actually enjoyed that show, and I didn't try as hard. Be, and so, therefore, the pieces that I use from Friday, I think, are some of the standout pieces. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I'm really I'm, – I'm psyched that it's just – it's really it's not about anything other than the material yeah. at this point, which is really cool. October seventeenth on Showtime. October seventeenth on a network called Showtime. You've heard of this? Yeah, network. I've heard of it. Yeah, you know they they devote an hour to Dexter and an hour to Homeland, and now they're going to devote an hour to Dane Cook. We did derail though off my answer because we got into our uh, mutual adulation for James Lipton. Um, but what <laughs> like? In all seriousness, like what when you wake up, like what are your expectations for yourself at this point? Um, and going into that show, I guess secondary. For, oh wait, secondary. Oh, for going into Troublemaker or now? Well, in general, just right now. Like, what are you for yourself right now? More uh, after more everything standard. on that wall, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's honestly, it's like I have a whole different slate of things that I want to do that um, are not in competition with stand-up comedy. You know, uh, I'm work- I've been working on a new hour f- since this one. So that was last, you know, November. Jesus. <laughs> so I, I want to film something new by, you know, December or even January. If oh, I can shit. Do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's insane. That's the thing now. I'm back in the cycle of uh, worked on the material for a year and a half, record it, then I can start working and then hold it and air it later. So I'm actually airing it, been working on the new stuff. And then by the time that airs, people are coming out to see me. I'm new work, shit. I've got new stuff. I've got yeah. at least forty-five or fifty minutes, and then this stuff I've got like two version of it. If I kept stuff they haven't seen yet. So when you go on this, so yeah. you'll go on another tour before you film the next one, just um, to like run I'm it. Try to figure that. Out. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do a tour before the film the next one. I don't know when. But I'm you, and you New won't York comedy festival in November. Nice, but you won't do anything from Troublemaker, I, or maybe some stuff. Um. It just depends. It yeah. really depends on like what the new material. So, sometimes I'll use a couple of pieces to get me into some new material, yeah. but I'll change it. So it's like a newer version of it's never done. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. It really is a bit is never. There's only a couple of guys, I guess, like a Seinfeld that you really do feel like, all right, that's it. Nailed it. That's and yeah. It, but it, it, it's strange that way because in different from musicians, once they have the song and it's on the album, okay. It's done. Yeah, That's nobody's going back and changing Susu Studio. It's <laughs> well, Metallica did like Unforgiven three, yeah. right? They kind of like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, but, but in but comedians, we still can go back and change. You you can still go back and find that one part that you didn't see before. You, 
you're you're in and things are constantly in flux and i think that's what makes it's so fun to be a comic is that you are never done you can never just right. sit back and be like i'm good i've no. done, I've, I've done it all and you really we use everything it, mm-hmm. it is that johnny carson quote of like when he said when he was hosting the tonight show it's like you use everything you use something that he's like i one time pulled something out that i when i was eight years old a funny thing i used to do for wow. my family goes and i'm doing it now with you know dom deloise or whoever his guest yeah. was he's like we use everything so a few years ago, I would be like, no, once I'm done with that piece of material. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, well, no, sometimes because there's only so many topics. Yeah, if I'm talking about relationships, I might bring that little piece in to help me flush out this new stuff because it's helping me to to find an entry point. If I don't use that little piece just because I've said it before, am I doing myself a disservice? I'm trying to find my way around something. Sure. So I'll just you know, kind of uh, extract it later, and then I've got a new yeah. piece of material. And, and sometimes that old bit triggers a new thought while totally. while saying the old bit and that 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 can add to that can, that can add to the new joke so it all it all helps and and it, and it's it certainly all supports and i don't want to sound like a somebody not in the stand-up comedy world who uh is not appreciative of you building a new hour by saying what else after that because i know that's like i've heard that from so many people at your level i think whitney said it on the today show where they were like I think Hoda and Kathy Lee were like, so you've got this new uh, hour, and then and what else? And she was just like, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> like, do we have to skip over that so right. quickly? So I don't want to do that, but... <clears throat> no, it, I think the what else... But is that it? No. no <laughs> what else you got? And that was my Kathy Lee impression, hey, by the way. Are you going to be retiring anytime <laughs> yeah, soon? Jesus. And if so... Um, no, I f- the the things that I've been working on, like now, uh, I got a I got a movie that uh, I EP'd, which four hundred days, right? Days, so yeah, it's done, and we're getting that for festivals. Which I, that to me, I want to do that route. I've always wanted to have a great film mm-hmm. and do the whole festival route. I've never been able to do that, so I'm hoping that fuck yeah, dude. That. And and this, the the four hundred days, that's you in space. You're it's astronauts. It's, it's in a simulator. Well, your voice went up super high when you said space. space? Yeah, that was it's great. In space. <laughs> um, well, I try to do like a Twilight Zone effect, like. Space. Oh, I like that. Ah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the dwarf alarm should have gone up right there. You know, yeah, exactly. Dalton sound effects. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's what I bring to the table. You don't. You you don't see Charlie Rose doing space sound effects. That's that all I'm is, saying. Uh, that would be a great B sides, Charlie Rose. Um, <laughs> It's no, we're not in space. We're in a simulator. It's a psychological thriller about four okay. astronauts in a simulator mm-hmm. preparing for long-term space travel. And once we're in the simulator, you know, we can't leave. It's like we leave, we, we leave, we lose our opportunity to, you know, go on a, a mission to Mars. So what starts off is like kind of one of those. You think it's going to be like kind of like one of those whodunit type things with the four people trapped in the simulator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But an event happens, mm-hmm. and from this event, we start to wonder if uh, it's really a simulation. So okay. through the, awesome. the course of the film, and, and you don't know if I'm, I play kind of, you don't know if I'm good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 Katie Lotz is in it from Arrow. She's nice. awesome. Ben Feldman from Mad Men. Yeah, and right. Brandon Routh, who was uh, Superman before the Superman now. So it's a great cast. And when so does that come out? We're, we're oh, gonna do the, okay. So we're going to finish it and hopefully get the festival out. And then I've got a, a big movie, that a uh, big comedy that we're just in the process now of uh, budgeting and uh, something I wrote with uh, a really funny writer for the last uh, about year and a half. So more, more producing yeah, 
and more cr- just creating my own content. Yeah. yeah, and probably more voiceover, right? Planes 2, Fire and Rescue seem to do pretty well. It did okay, man. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, I, that's, you never know. It's like you, you can ask them, are we doing another one? If they call me and they say, do you want to play Dusty again? I, I would love that. that was so How many fun. of those would you do? <laughs> I just do them forever, man. Are yeah, you right? kidding me? Yeah. How fun so is voiceover? Check start it's clearing. the greatest. Yeah. It is the greatest. It's like... You it, don't realize how into it you get to in the booth. Like, you're just standing there, just just doing a voice. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, you're getting... I mean, you are acting. Like, you're... Um, get, you get very... I'm sure from somebody who's already very physical and animated on stage, like, you're just in that booth, just... Yeah. It's funny. There, I'm sure there's outtakes, too, of, like... <laughs> I always like when you're when you're in the booth and you're trying to because you're trying to picture it. You're like, mm-hmm. so what's happening now? Yeah, all right. The whole you have to know what's going on. By the way, like yeah, that yeah. helps to it. And, and so it's funny when you're actually in the character or if you hear other people in character and then they're swearing because they can't figure out the moment. <laughs> Somebody's like, Oh yeah, we're all gonna go. Oh, fuck guys, what is this? Are we out of the tunnel? I want to see that movie. I want to see. The, I want to see it with all that audio I left that in. Animated. No, no, there are. There are clips of all of mm-hmm. us, you know, all the actors. Everybody flips out in the booth once For in a while sure. or something. Like Ray Romano when he was in Happy Nuts or Tree Fuck. What is it? No, Happy uh, no. Ice Age. What is it? Ice Age, yeah. One of the most popular. <laughs> Happy Nuts. I don't know. But there's probably a I think, I think uh, Happy Nuts was cream of the week last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's probably not a take of him being like, oh, we're trying to get to this, uh, you know, fire away. You know, and, and then you keep that in. With all the other stuff. That would be funny just to actually animate, but <laughs> yeah. as the character, like the character's yes. losing it. In the yeah. <laughs> right? It's called like animal like breakdowns. Moment, right? Oh, like, wow. <laughs> but an animated... Animated breakdowns. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, and now... There should you... be a sketch. That should be a great animated show, by the way, where you just animated have... Breakdowns? Well, you just... I don't know. You have animated actors who are all animated animals, like you ever watch, all voiceover you actors. Watch anime porn? I've never wow. watched anime porn. No, but I've seen on the, you know, sometimes they have boxes of like Marge Simpson taking like, yes. to, you know, and I don't click on that, but I, I definitely look for a second and go, uh, so that's what that episode would be like. Right. <laughs> but somebody, okay, so I've watched, I I've haven't. watched anime porn. Oh, okay. I, and by the way, I, I guess anime is different than animation porn. Or anime, no, no, because yeah, anime I'm thinking is of like cartoon porn. porn. Right, that's like, anime is like. Yeah. Uh, I was like, do you mean have I seen Spongebob fuck, you know, uh, <laughs> that's Dora? That's what I mean. There's, oh, you meant. There's anime, because there's anime porn, and then mm-hmm. there's, I was wrong, but it, it's Car- anim, there's anime, porn animation. Okay, yeah. Okay. The point is, somebody is in a booth <laughs> doing the. I'm like, okay, wait a second. I'm getting fucked by the devil. Okay. And does he come fire? Or how do you want me does to play this? Does he come fire? Right? How do I play this? <laughs> uh, you know, somebody's voicing. Someone did that, yeah. Somebody's coming in. Uh, all right, so you want this devil to be. <laughs> Am I coming fire? Or. Because she's going to respond differently than if I just come, you know, not fire. That actor comes in. I have some ideas for this scene. (laughs) What if I pull out and I destroy a city? (laughs) What if right before? Yeah. (laughs) I I, I just love the fact that for animated porn, the the same way all the animators on planes are are like meticulously making sure that every cell is complete and filled up. There's some guy like adding a vein to a dick going, no, this is is really going to enhance the experience. But if you look at these, and I'm sure now your listeners are going to be searching these online, but they're very uh, beautifully rendered. Yes. Cocks and vaginas <laughs> and animated porn. They're making Pixar look like, you know, like. <laughs> like Dixar. <laughs> hey! hey. hey. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? If I. That's, that would be. Uh, in, just in that moment, I wish there's somebody who I could look to and be like, hey, this Dan Cook guy is pretty cool, man. Can I vouch for him? Because. <laughs> 
Uh, How thanks, we follow that, that could be a show in itself, by the way. Like, we'll vouch for you. We'll vouch for where you. Where they put you in situations where you haven't been vouched for in a while. Yeah. Hey, listen, this guy's cool. Let him in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to you to rise to the occasion. <laughs> yeah. Oh I like that. Um, all right. So then, um, uh, okay. So that's a lot going on then. That's a few things that are popping. You I wake up each day with a the fire. But awesome. those are like, those are on the, I'm developing a TV show too. So a couple of things that. Uh, Which again, I, by the way, having just a new hour, like hearing that. And we know what that entails. So that could be just what it was. And that would be fine because that's a lot. Um, but again, and that gets me back to the Dane Cook's expectations. Dane Cook on Dane Cook. <laughs> but I mean, I guess there you just answer it for us. The expectations you- right now are I am, uh, you know, after some really, you know, both insane high water moments and then like just you know personal stuff i know we talked about that on the last podcast but the last couple of years have been the most um like really the most thrilling almost the way i felt like when i first came up when i first broke through after years on the road and you know just kind of out there trying to you know figure out you know kind of with the machete coming through the (laughs) am i ever going to get through this you know the bamboo of (laughs) the 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 industry and the last couple of years imagery by the way is perfect for inside the actor studio like i'm telling you a lot of people have great imagery (laughs) we should we should totally send james lipton this tape again when johnny depp was on there and i would do my johnny depp but the phone would fucking start ringing so i don't want to uh do that the weirdest ring ever i almost wanted to ring again just so we could hear it It gets higher and higher each time uh yeah so um (laughs) i I cut you off and i feel so bad because i'm about to make a great point no no i mean isn't that podcast is basically just people cutting each other off that's all no bad one bad no good ones are I think if you allow yourself for tangents like we've done. Well, you've got the power of the edit, my friend. Nobody I, needs to know what just happened. I, I, Nobody, <laughs> bury that shit off Zizix, Adam. <laughs> Drive out to the desert and fucking bury that moment. We're talking about pauses. It never happened on that podcast. And what were we talking about? Why pregnant pause? Who, I wonder where that uh, developed from. Pregnant well, pause? A, yeah, that's what they call it. Like in television, there's that moment where, to, you know, we, it's not good for, for a radio where some, it's that mm-hmm. long kind of like moment of, of space, of air. Where two people stare at each other, yeah, and they don't allow that in, in television or films a lot now. It's like right. you keep on moving. ADD generation. You can yeah. watch an eighties movie, and it's like you know, not an action movie, but like there's a lot of you know these kind of long stares, Telemundo kind of. Sure. But I wonder where pregnant pause came from. Do you think that's because someone's about to say like, "Bobby, I'm pregnant," and then there's that like, yeah. <sighs> Wow, Jesus Christ. Check out the best around. Check out the big brain on bread. The uh, the tone of that, so we don't. Yeah. Uh, um, (laughs) You're a great guy. (laughs) There it is. You said so many cool things. (laughs) Slightly better than average. Honestly, you were talking about the last two years being so thrilling. The last couple of years has has all the. Honestly, no, the last couple of years have been what, uh, what. I would have hoped um, the whole you know kind of decade would have been, which yes. is focus on the work. I had to unfortunately focus on a bunch of stuff that yeah. was really mm-hmm. personal. And you important. said on the last podcast, you get about four months to enjoy the time that you finally once SNL and everything was hitting, and then right, a you, lot of stuff happened right around two thousand five and six with my folks and getting sick and right. stuff like that. But it what like, I had five great years of like. All the college stuff and yeah. building, building, like man, just the, the there was the after party was like then the morning party and then like the, it was just work and fun, work and fun, and then you know life happens, 
deal with all that stuff. Yeah. But it really took a toll in that it wasn't like I didn't stop working, but the work was like an, an escape a lot of the time. And now the work is just great work again. It's really like, no, no, I, I, I wake up, I'm healthy, I'm feeling good, I've got great friends, I've got resources, I have, you know, new mentors, which I'd, I'd lost, unfortunately, at that, you know, time in my life. You know, I lost my mentor along with my parents. He, he had a stroke also at 69. So it was mm-hmm. like, I kind of had to, uh, you know, build, you know, kind of build my, my, my team back up, you know, and also Jesus. build, uh, you know, be a better friend and be there for other people that like it where it wasn't central to what I was looking for. And yeah. that's important for me to like get away from this and be mm-hmm. regular and be vouched for. And <laughs> so it was like, yeah, I want to go help my buddy build a canoe at Lake Tahoe or something. And, and getting away and doing things that were more just like living, enjoying life, no responsibilities of taking care of, you know, my parents that were ailing. Yeah. So the last like two, two and a half years have been just like, yeah, what do I want to do? What do I want to put this great energy that I that it's I awesome. you know mm-hmm. that I'm back into? Is it strange that you, you say you lose your mentors, but now looking at where you are in your career, a lot of comics and rightfully so look to you as a mentor. You're now that guy. Yeah, it's and I I dig that. You know, we got you know, we got our buddy Maddie up here. It's like mm-hmm. this dude's a he's 19, you know, right? Yeah, he's 19 years old. Okay, he's he's you know young comic, and you know of course it's like you come to LA at 19, and uh, it's all, almost like. Get a helmet, get body mm-hmm. armor. Yeah, uh, you know, learn to isolate yourself. Don't listen so much. It's really learn how easy. to turn those nos into yeses. Yeah. Oh man, it's it. So yeah, I like helping somebody like Matt to be able to say like, y- yes, you do need an attorney to look at that one piece of paper that you're about to sign. <laughs> right. You really do because you have no idea that that thing says all your content for five years is is subject to da 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 some jargon that seems so simple and friendly. Right. No, nah, man. And so I, I do like that my, uh, you know, my foibles uh, can be turned into a, a plus for somebody so they don't have to go through some of the, you know, some of the crap that I went through. Do you, it's also not an easy role to step into because I think a lot of people don't. I mean, Charles Barkley said it in a fucking Reebok commercial where he's like, I'm not a role model. So some people just get to a certain point and they're like, your worst impersonation of the day. <laughs> I'm not a role model. Where's the phone? Don't look at me. Hey, hey, Dan Molly's a a role model. Don't look at me. Hey, let me tell you something, Ernie. Kobe Bryant is... uh, uh, Let me tell you. Shaquille O'Neal... Okay, well, Akeem Alat... Let me tell you. But um, I only do impersonations now of people that nobody knows. So that really... Like the woman that was my waitress the other day at Denny's, and she was like, so nice to see you, Dane. You're so... You look so good. You look so healthy. I'd be killing... If people America, know who yeah. that is, yeah, Abby Middle America, like, Abby G needs to be on there. It's always the <laughs> one on. letter on there. What are you there? They're in like a relocation program working at Denny's. Like Abby G, nobody can put their last name on this fucking tag. I mean, that's a great bit. Yeah. So, I mean, so someone comes out with a really killer moons over Miami. You, you may want to look that person yeah. up. It, 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 it's for their own safety. Send a Facebook day. friend request later on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know how many Abby Gs are on Facebook? Abby G, yo, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Um, well, uh, we really appreciate you taking time. Yeah, thanks for, you know, we just did this. Didn't we do this like two weeks ago? When were you guys here? No, dude, that was quite honestly almost, might be almost a year ago. Oh, man. That's so crazy. Um, But you, uh, and and we've moved from one room of the house to the other. So I I think in about 
We, we do this 29 more times. Wow. There was delayed reaction. Uh, hi, I'm Danny Glover. You know, if, ever, if you're having a down and dumps day, pick up a Dane Cook topical cream. Yeah, it's cream of the day. Well, it's a cream that you can use any time of the week, but it's to- it's got topical little news anecdotes. Like George Clooney is now married is on the back of this cream. I'm Dane Cook, and I vouch this ad. Oh. Thanks, Dane, man. Thanks, man. Follow Dane on Twitter at Dane Cook. Uh, check out Troublemaker October 17th on Showtime. Go. Cool. Uh, at com for all your uh, other deets and yeah. uh, and stay tuned alright <laughs> pregnant pause <laughs> show that's the show thanks for tuning in we had laughs and stories now go listen to more episodes on iTunes or your phone subscribe and tell your family and everyone Subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast. Give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.